This week in the other Bundesliga, there was a titanic tussle between the top two, more issues for the capital clubs and a first win of the season for VSG Tirol. A very warm welcome to another episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast. My name is Tom Midler. I'm joined by Simon Clark. Um, and if you're wondering why there are so many podcasts at the moment, it's not normal. We've got all the uh, Europa and Champions League pods just coming out this week as well at the same time at the beginning of the week as this Match Day 7 Austrian Bundesliga podcast. So we'll have uh, three or four podcasts released in a very short space of time. We're hoping that the European podcasts will be useful throughout the course of the group stages to refer back to the, the new opponents for each of the teams. But our normal uh, Bundesliga coverage, just like this podcast, that will continue on a weekly basis going on. So uh, for this one, welcome, Simon. Nice to have you back on the pod. <laughs> How's it going, nice. Tom? You're good? <laughs> yeah, good. Unusual. A little bit unusual for us to be recording in the morning, but yeah. uh, <laughs> nice anyway. It's been it nice. quite a weekend of uh, football for you, especially. I'll uh, get to some of the games that you went to soon, but the one that we went to together was Sturm Graz against Salzburg. The big sort of top of the table clash, the battle of the two, the only two realistic title contenders and boy, that delivered, didn't it? That was a proper title battle. 2-2 in a sold-out Merkur Arena in Graz. It was really good to be there. Yeah, like, as you said, Tom, it, it was a titanic encounter, really, to be there. It really was a wonderful advert for the Austrian Bundesliga. Two teams at the really, really the peak of their powers, really, in that game. It, it, to and fro, there was drama, there was controversy, there, there was a worldie of a goal, there were controversial refereeing decisions. It had everything. It was really, really a fun game. And I remember at the game, I likened it to back in the back in the Premier League under the Arsene Wenger, Alex Ferguson, uh, my United Arsenal days. It had that sort of vibe. <laughs> just two teams just hate each other, and two managers. I know it's uh, Gerhard Struber's first match as a manager against Sturm Graz, but you can just tell like there's heat between uh, Christian Ilter and Gerhard Struber, and yeah, it's going to make for a fun season. It really lived up to the billing, I guess, would be the right phrase for me. There was this hope that it would turn into a, a proper battle, a good encounter between two good teams. I would have been left a bit flat if it was a sort of a one-sided win or something like that, or even a goalless draw. But no, this was a real tussle with quality. And as you said, it just had everything. Um, talking about the two managers, I thought it was quite almost funny in a way, uh, because they both wore exactly the same thing. Yeah. So you've got like Ilse, you have Struber, they both have this sort of like glatt, um, like almost bald head. And then like from the back, it's like you couldn't tell which is the home dugout and which is the away dugout. But Well, you could really. And it's, it's just, just funny that they wore exactly the yeah, same thing. It was thing. very funny. And it just shows if you want to be a successful manager in the Austrian Bundesliga, have a shaved head and, and just wear an all black ensemble and white trainers and you'll probably be a success. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, the starter pack to be a good Austrian Bundesliga yeah. manager. Um, early in the game, Sturm had a goal ruled out for offside close call on the free kick again Affengruber he loves to get to the back post for for free kicks that are delivered into the box this time he was just too far ahead but he got the ball back across they ended up putting it into the back of the net and it was ruled out it was one of the longest goal celebrations I've seen I think before they've realized that the flag was up on the other side because the PA announcer just kept the music going even though like <laughs> look, look, we saw it instantaneously that the, the linesman was flagging and obviously in the replays it definitely wasn't offside there was no controversy about that unlike things that happened in, in the latter half of, of the game 
yeah, it was yeah, it was quite weird, wasn't it? It was quite because half a stadium realizing it was offside and half a stadium just going wild. <laughs> yeah, maybe it shows the atmosphere. You know, it was quite fervent in there. People wanted to celebrate. They wanted this game to to burst into life. It certainly did do that anyway. But twenty minutes in, there was a a cup final esque massive fireworks display. <laughs> um, it came obviously from the home end. They were reaching well above the halfway line and beyond. Um, your take on this, it was like a 20-year anniversary or something? Yeah, it was a 20-year anniversary of the uh, Stonegrass Ultras group. And uh, don't get me wrong, it was very, very impressive. It, apparently, it, it cost uh, 100,000 euros for the um, Ultras. That's, that's what I read in the, in the newspaper. 100,000 euros of uh, fireworks were released by the Stonegrass Ultras. So, <laughs> like, that, my, that's enough to sign a player. <laughs> my mind is blown. In Austrian yeah. football, that is so much money. 100 yeah. grand. But I think the, the sheer amount, the sheer amount of fireworks that were released meant that they couldn't play the game for like 15 minutes, pretty much. Yeah. It's a 10, 10, 15 minutes. And uh, yeah, it was quite a spectacle. Obviously, we, we put a very, very, very short video on um, our Twitter about it. Um, it doesn't happen very often in Austrian football, but, you know, I, I'm not going to say that the, you know, maybe the security guards behind that goal were a little bit lackluster <laughs> with their, with their, with their uh, security. But yeah, <laughs> you'd imagine maybe yeah. there was a few... <laughs> maybe a few of that hundred grand was put aside maybe for the security guards <laughs> ah yes very good um, I mean I know fireworks are expensive and it went on for a long time as you said this was a proper firework display so uh, maybe I can believe that it was a hundred grand although that does seem quite in- incredulous but yeah as you say the, the pat downs from security must have been pretty light if you can if you can get a hundred grand's worth of, of fireworks in there but some suggestions are that Salzburg were, were starting to be on top in the game before the firework display led to, as you mentioned, a 15-minute yeah. delay. Others say that Sturm was sort of put out of their rhythm by that firework display halfway through the first half. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it felt like the, the match was was really properly, like, you know, becoming the titanic tussle that we wanted to have. And, uh, yeah, Salzburg were undoubtedly on top during that period. And then, yeah, to have a 10-15 minute break, yeah, it, it was quite an odd thing because obviously the teams had to come back. Like, basically, it was the opening minute of the match again. So it did take a, a little while. And, you know, it's uh, quite interesting that Salzburg scored like 20 minutes after that <laughs> to, to uh, take the lead yeah. in the 40th minute. It is. Um, I think, for me, Sturm started the game really well at home. They were really up for it. They looked so fired up all day long. And that led to sort of some issues later. But then Salzburg were getting on top. I think that happened before the firework display, personally, as well. That Salzburg were were just turning the game around. And then it wasn't really a surprise to me then. The game actually perhaps continued in the way that it had set up in the, after the long break. Um, Salzburg was still on top. And I think Salzburg were definitely the better team then, uh, combining lovely passes, some really nice runs from the likes of Oscar Gloch. Uh, they moved the ball really well. Amar Dedic looked really good again. Um, they suddenly were sort of everywhere, just, just doing everything. And I felt that they were the dominant team. And they did indeed go 1-0 up. The talking point for that was that it was a little bit of a fortunate goal, wasn't it? The shot from the edge of the area took a big deflection off a defender in the D and just sort of, yeah, spun around to the left side of the penalty area where Samson Baidu was just waiting there and it just came right to him sort of near the back post and he turned it in well. But it was a deserved goal, but it was also a goal with with a touch of fortune. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, at that point in the game, Salzburg had been on top and yeah, they went into half-time one lap. They did indeed. And then what we witnessed after the break 
was, I think, a real sign of Sturm's strength, a sign of Christian Ilse's strength, in that it had actually been a bit of a bruising first 45 for Sturm. I mentioned that I felt that they were really up for it. They really took this as a proper title duel as well. And the players, you know, you could see it. It felt like a derby. They were fired up for everything. I think it annoyed them because I felt like in the first half, maybe Sturm players got yellow cards a little bit more frequently. Or I think what happened was a couple of Salzburg players should have been booked, but Mm. they weren't. So then the Sturm players get even more riled up and a bit more frustrated. And then they get booked because they're riled up, which just riles you up further, doesn't it? So it was this sort of spiral that began to happen. But they put that behind them at the beginning of the second half and uh, equalised in stunning fashion through Utakitaish Vili. And we were right behind that. That's going to be up there in the in the goals of the season top 10, for sure. Yeah, it, definitely. In, in my opinion, it's uh, probably the, the, the best goal of the season so far. Just like Utakitaish Vili, just like he, he took, his, took a touch on the edge of the box and it's like, fired it top corner, but he hit it on like the edge of his foot. So the ball was like really going in different directions and and, and that made it such a better finish the, to go off the crossbar and in as well. And we were directly behind it. And I think I think I might have said a few uh, bad words when it went in. It's like, <laughs> like, wow, what a goal. It really was an incredible goal. And I mean, that, that really, you know, the, where, like, I think when you score a goal like that, it really gets, like, all the fans were properly behind them then. And it made for an incredible atmosphere. And then, you know, Sturmgratz carried that forward for the next 10, 15 minutes. They did. They just needed that momentum. They needed that moment from somewhere. And th- there was a kind of funny uh, sort of vibe in the air because it was a corner kick for, for Sturm. So obviously that's quite good. The fans were getting behind that. A corner kick in front of the home end. Brilliant. And then Sakaria's corner looked like it floated out. It was way outside the box, over everybody. And there was even a Salzburg uh, player underneath it. And you thought, oh no, Salzburg could, could just grab this and break. And so there was kind of a big groan when the corner came in. It looked too long. It was too far for Otto Kitoshvili. But he picked it up anyway. And you said edge of the box. He was like edge of the box plus a good 10, 15 yards. Yeah. <laughs> turned around and just lashes it in off the bar. Brilliant finish, 1-1. And then uh, Sakaria was, uh, about 10 minutes later, afforded a little bit of room in the box, four or five Salzburg defenders around him, but some nice passing, four or five defenders around him. None of them committed. They, I think they all thought somebody else was going to dive in um, and close him down. So nobody did. And in that split second, Sakaria had enough quality to put it in the bottom corner and make it 2-1 to Sturm. What a turnaround. Fans were picking up chairs. Yeah. <laughs> As you say, the, the atmosphere in the Merkel was already massive, but that was one of those kind of moments that the turnaround at the beginning of the second half that had seemed a little unlikely, you know, that was one of those moments where you're just glad you're there. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those moments, I mean, that happens very, very seldom in Austrian football where a team like comes back against Salzburg and goes into the lead. And um, you, you know, at that point, I mean, yeah, for me, it was like, I, I was looking around the stadium like this is why we cover this, the Austrian Bundesliga, you know, for moments like this. And, you know, it really felt like maybe Stone were going to go on to have score three or four in the game. But uh, as you know, uh, what happened next? <laughs> what happened yeah. next? <laughs> <laughs> it did. Credit must be given, though, to Salzburg again, because Sturm had had a brilliant start to the second half. They had a good start to the first half, a brilliant start to the second half. But Salzburg, again, as they did in the first half, turned the tide back in their own favour. They showed their qualities as well. Um, they obviously have some really excellent players. Uh, Ilse said after the game, the Sturm coach, he said that he thinks this is the best troop of Salzburg players ever, which might be a bit mm. of hyperbole because... I think it's a bit of hyperbole, a, yeah. Yeah, I think... he's got a battle against them, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. I think uh, he's he's definitely you know thinking about going in, into the back end of the season, saying, "Oh yeah, this is the best Salzburg group ever." Like, I think we we all know, we're on a common consensus. It's probably not, but um, you know, if you're Christian Elser, if you think that and it helps you motivate your team, then fair enough. Well, they won't need any more motivation for the rest of the season because it was already pretty high for this game. And then the circumstances of the equaliser uh, left them feeling very, very sour indeed. Stankovic penalised for a defensive effort against Koita in the penalty area. It was a messy passage of play from the right for Salzburg. The ball was bouncing around in the box. Everybody was down on the ground, sort of scuffing, scraping, trying to kick the ball away. And eventually it was sort of fitting in such a scrappy passage of play that it would be a kind of scrappy penalty decision. Yeah, and I think uh, it's a penalty decision that took like, like a real long time for, for the referee to decide, provide help of VAR, of course, to decide whether it was a penalty. I'm, I'm sorry, but when a penalty decision takes that long, is it really a true, like, like, like clear-cut penalty? No. And, uh, you know, you could feel the sense of aggrievement in the stadium because, you know, obviously us in the press box, we, 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 had the, we could see the replays on TV. And I think in the press box, it was a common consensus to the fact that it just probably wasn't a penalty. And then for it to be awarded, but you, you, you felt the sense of foreboding that it was going to be awarded because it's so clearly, we thought it wasn't a penalty that we thought, oh, of course, they're, they're going to give it. And they, gave, and they gave it and Koita slotted home. But yeah, a lot of controversy. I think after that, I think both teams, you know, it's, it, if it was an eight out of 10 in terms of like atmosphere and uh, you know, players, you know, getting a little bit more on the tackles after that, it was 11 out of 10. And there was a lot more fights <laughs> and you know, this general shithousery going on between both teams after. Definitely. I can't believe it didn't end with a red card, actually. Koita perhaps could have been sent off before. There were a couple of rough challenges. One uh, sort of body check on the touchline that I remember from Sturm as well that went unpunished. Um, I think the referee, uh, he didn't quite help to put a lid on things. He rather uh, escalated things a little bit. But the penalty for me, I had a couple of issues with it. And I think the first one is that, I mean... (laughs) It just shows that the subjective nature of VAR, doesn't it? Because one person looks at one screen and thinks one thing and the other person looks at the same screen and sort of blanks out some information because you're just not focused on it and you look at a certain thing instead. So where the first thing I see is not the same thing that the first thing is that you see necessarily or that the referee sees or the VAR or whatever. But my first issue is it wasn't given as a penalty. It was given as a Sturmer foul, so a foul by Koita. Mm. I absolutely cannot say that that is a clear and obvious error. It may or may not have been the right call, but there is not a chance in hell that that was a clear and obvious error. So why VAR is getting involved to say that's been a clear and obvious error, I don't know. And I would be uh, slightly aggrieved with that. So why, why did they even have to look at it? And then when you do look at it, as you say, then it takes ages. Then you know that it hasn't been a clear and obvious error because it's still not clear or obvious. And then for me... The, the main factor is this, that it shouldn't have been a penalty. It's a really tough call. I understand it. It's a very tough call. I think I'm like 60-40 one way, but I'm 60 in favour of no penalty because Koita had a shot at the ball. Seiko Koita had the chance over at the tight angle from the right, down by the byline. He had a chance to shoot on goal and he missed the ball. That had nothing to do with the challenge. That had nothing to do with anything. Koita does an air kick, misses the ball and instead kicks Stankovic, who's about to make a challenge. So for me, because Koita has missed the ball, it, he's missed the chance at the play. Uh, Stankovic hasn't stopped him making the chance at the play or fouled him for it. He's kicked. He's just kicked Stankovic instead. So it's, it's a fine line. And Stankovic's challenge was kind of risky. 
But I think Stankovic is sort of trying to block a shot which doesn't come in because Koita misses the ball. So uh, for me, that's the, the sort of the deciding factor was that Koita had the play and didn't make the play. So for me, it's no. However, what I will say is I think Sturm sort of can't really complain that the equaliser was undeserved. It was a bit of fortune for Salzburg, yeah. but mm. man, they were they were coming back into that game anyway. And Kiel Scherpe, the goalkeeper, made some oh, he brilliant did, um, saves. Yeah. There's, there's no way that, that, that they can say Salzburg uh, definitely didn't deserve a second goal. Yeah, of course. He, he was fantastic all game. He's been a wonderful signing since arriving in the summer. But um, <clears throat> I think it's just a shame that, you know, when you have such a wonderful football game that, you know, you're kind of talking about the controversial penalty rather than the fact that it was one of the best Austrian Bundesliga games I've seen, I think, in terms of title contenders, a title a title clash. It really was uh, a great game. And yeah, I mean, and now, you know, if you're Christian Ilse, you now have a reason to motivate these players. Like like we were wronged in, in their minds and, and in my mind as well. They were wronged. And, you know, I think for just fans of the Bundesliga as well, it's like to see Salzburg get that call like again. Like uh, I think you remember against Austria Vienna, they got a similar call. Like there was quite, you know, 50-50 again, a, a penalty in the last minute of the game. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I suppose with Salzburg, you're going to spend a lot of time in the penalty area. You are going to get a little bit more sort of, perhaps true. more of the true. calls are going to go your way than not just because you spend so much time on the attack. But I do know what you mean. For the other teams, it does feel a bit rough. In any case, I don't, I think I can really complain with a 2-2 draw as a fair result. It's just the kind of result in a way that, you know, you look at the game, big clash, 2-2 draw. It must have been a good one. It really was. I think still, Kjell Schreper, the goalkeeper, was my man of the match. He made a couple of brilliant saves getting down low, a couple of ones sort of clawed away from the top corner as well, a couple of almost one-on-ones where you thought Salzburg are going to nick this, aren't they? And and Schreper was able to, to push it away in both halves. So I think if you consider that the Sturm keeper was the man of the match, 2-2 is a fair result. It preserves the unbeaten runs at the start of the seasons for both teams now to seven games. That seems quite normal for Salzburg, but for Sturm, it's the first time they've done that since, I think, the 97-98 season. So that's a long time, 25 mm-hmm. years since they've gone unbeaten in seven. And both teams have conceded just four goals now, which is, you know, league's best value by, by some distance. So a very good effort from those two. Yeah, and at the top of the table, uh, Salzburg only two points clear. And uh, I mean, I think it's going to be tight and it's not it's not going to be these games that, that, that really decide the title it's going to be if Sturmgratz can win the games that they should win like I remember last season uh, they lost against Austria Klagenfurt at home and that actual game if they had won that game and then beat Salzburg they would have won the league basically it, it was pretty much a clear cut as that so you know it's um uh, it's going to be a tight season and I think right there you saw that you know if so let's say in an Austrian Bundesliga system Salzburg a 10 out of 10 then Sturmgratz are right behind. They are right behind. It's much closer than it was last season, I think, in just how close the two teams are on a quality standpoint and also just, yeah, from a managerial standpoint as well. I think Struber is definitely not as good a manager as Matthias Jesler. That might be controversial, but I think it's a fair point. So it's going to be a tight title race. I can't wait to see how it develops. Well, Struber has started off strong, mind you. Um, Sturm were dreaming. They were top of the table briefly during that game before the equaliser. But uh, yeah, as you say, back down in second, just two points behind. I think it's both, isn't it? They need the consistency, Sturm, to challenge by beating everyone else week in, week out. They seem to have um, elevated themselves to a level where that is at least possible, theoretically. But these Salzburg games, I do think they're massive as well. Just it's like a mental, from a mental standpoint, just to know that you can challenge this team. There's no way they could beat Salzburg this season if they can't actually beat them in a 
the game. You know, if they can't pick up a few wins or at least, you know, a win and a draw and stuff here and there against Salzburg, they're going to be in, in big, big trouble. And I think that's why they're frustrated with just a point, as it were. It's a good point, but they need to be taking those chances to win. You don't get those chances. I think what I'll say from Sturm's perspective, last thing, though, is that if you played that game again on another day, that great spell that they had in the second half, early in the second half, they might not score two goals in that spell very often. One of them was a worldie off the bar. The other one was a really nice finish. But, you know, you could easily go through that kind of spell and not have any goals. And then Salzburg would have won this game. So, yeah, yeah, in the end, a fair result. We'll wrap it up there for part one. Really nice to discuss uh, Sturm 2, Salzburg 2. We'll be back after a little break with the rest of the league action. Simon, this might seem a little bit out of context, but how would you describe the Austrian drink, Almdudler? And there is a reason that I'm asking you this. Personally, I would describe it as a, a very tasty soft drink. And um, yeah, so when I first moved to Austria, I'd never heard of Almdudler. And actually, on my first day in my new job, and my team took me to the supermarket, and they were like, have you ever tried Almdudler before? And I was like, no, I don't even know what it is. So I tried it. I loved it. And if I'm now in a, a restaurant and, you know, I'm, I'm not getting an alcoholic beverage, I probably won't get a Coca-Cola. I'll get an Amdudler. Well, what's the reason you asked this, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that in just a second. That's funny. You reminded me of something, too. My first job here was in the theatre and they did the same thing. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that's like sponsors for, uh, for Almdudler everywhere. It's, it's a brand over here. And yeah, it was the same thing. I had I had the Austrian people at my work saying like, yeah, you've got to try that if you've never tried it. I think Austrians are proud that it's this lemonade drink. It's like a herbal lemonade drink. But it's it's so big in Austria that it's hard to imagine that it's just not on sale elsewhere. But it is very Austrian. Um, the reason that I'm asking is uh, to do with austrianfood.co.uk. And the reason that I asked about Almdudler specifically is because that kind of herbal lemonade it's so good, it's so sweet and so good that it actually inspired that business. And uh, when austrianfood.co.uk, the business, approached us on the other Bundesliga about forming a little partnership, well, we thought that is right on brand for us and potentially for a lot of our listeners too. So I'll tell you a tiny bit about austrianfood.co.uk. They're a small business run by Erich and Elina in the UK. They've got Austrian roots uh, through grandparents and things. They've spent a lot of time in Austria and they love it. They've got great memories of their time in Austria. And specifically, uh, Almdudler is something they love so much that when they're in the UK, they thought, look, we need to import Almdudler. We need to be drinking Almdudler here. And uh, that then formed this business. And they do not just sell Almdudler. They sell all kinds of different Austrian foods, confectionaries, drinks, all kinds of nice things. And uh, they've kind of just renamed the store actually to Austrian store instead of Austrian food, because now there's a homewares section. There's a lot of Austrian homewares and things available too. They ship all across the UK and overseas. Plus they do bulk orders for businesses and things like that. So definitely go and check them out if you fancy some really nice Austrian delicacies and you're outside of Austria. It's uh, Austrian food co.uk you can get almdudler the herbal lemonade that we just talked about and tons more stuff as well we though are still in austria uh, we're in the capital simon and i to be precise and uh, the games for the capital teams this weekend did not go swimmingly simon you were at rapid three vrt three what a thriller it was a thriller and uh, I had a, a unique vantage point because uh, usually when we go to Rapid, because we're, we're all journalists, we normally sit in the press box. But um, I actually had two visitors in town um, uh, for work reasons. And I thought, you know, what, on the Sunday, I'll take him to watch Rapid Vienna, like a probable Rapid Vienna win. So so we were in the fans like, uh, just to the just to the left of the ultras uh, behind the goal. 
And um, yeah, what we saw was a, a pretty remarkable football game. Uh, Rapid went 2-0 up early. It seemed to be all swimmingly going well. Then, then Wolfsburg came back 2-2. Rapid went, went ahead. And then uh, Thomas Sabitzer equalizes with literally the last kick of the game and uh, silenced the Allianz Stadion. Um, in terms of, of, of a neutral view, quite a remarkable game, but you could sense the Rapid fans were just like, again, like really? Like we just thrown away points again at home? And, um, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there was like signs of the fans being annoyed with the team, but it was just like a sake of just like, really? <laughs> really, this has happened? <laughs> and it's true. I mean, like saying that at Wolfsburg, um, the opening 20 minutes that they were on top, really, like um, when Fali Mayoli opened the scoring where we have like a, a beautiful finish into the top corner, it actually was against the run of play. And uh, it was Rapid's first real chance of the game. And it was a gift but as well. I thought it was, it was, it was a comical. Gift. Um, as you say, Vieta being on top and then there was this weird effort. Rapid's best two efforts were a defensive clearance that was smashed against the face of another VRT defender, which then looped back off the bar and almost opened the scoring. Yeah. And then the goal was like similarly comical in that the pass was, <laughs> it was like rolled out by the goalkeeper. And then the VRT player did that thing where it's like, hot potato like you don't want to touch the ball and sort of accidentally stumbled over away from the ball <laughs> it was like it was awful it was so so bad and then it was sort of put it on a plate for Rapid to pass it to Mayulu who finished very well it was a great that was against the run of play. <laughs> and then 2-0 was maybe even more against the run of play I can't believe it was 2-0 to Rapid at half time yeah it was um it was a confusing match really because it's like yeah the, the, the teams that were on top because then, then in the second half like you, you would say that Rapid were on top and then Wolfsburg score two quick fire goals um and um, yeah, it just—it really was a, a very interesting match. Obviously, to be there and the fans kind of seeing, like, and he- hearing what people were saying, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, if you're rapid, it's just man again. The turning point there, though. Um, what what was your thought on the sort of double jeopardy red card and? and penalty midway through the second half. As you say, Rapid looked like they were cruising then, 2-0. I thought they had three points in the bag. And then suddenly, red card penalty, 2-1. VAT right back in it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, at the time, uh, I, I couldn't see what happened. Is the other end of the pitch? You know, it probably was a penalty. It probably was a red card. But then again, you don't normally see that nowadays, that you get both of them at the same time. So I think maybe Rapid can feel slightly aggrieved at that. But yeah, that, that really was the turning point in the game. And, um, you know, uh, Wolfsburg took full advantage. Yeah, it was a bit tough on Terence Congolo, the player who got sent off, because, yeah, you don't get the double jeopardy anymore. You don't get red and penalty if you go for the ball in a challenge in the box. But because they clashed, there's a sort of uh, there's a specificity in the ruling. Because they clashed, it was like a tangle of legs as the striker took it past the goalkeeper. And then Congolo just sort of clipped the legs as he was running behind. It wasn't an attempt for the ball. It was just a run towards the defensive situation and because of that you are allowed to be sent off and have the penalty whereas if he dived in for a challenge and got it wrong the most he could have got is a yellow card and a penalty so it it was pretty unlucky and uh, I think I saw a very strange stat I think the Bundesliga posted a stat he's something like the 12th player to be sent off on their Bundesliga debut and none of them have been Austrian players which is weird when you consider how many Austrian players there are in the Bundesliga. They've all been players from, from outside the country who've been sent off on their Bundesliga debuts. Wow, that yeah. is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that is yeah. weird. <laughs> anyway, as you said, I mean, then Rapid, to, to continue it, they, they righted themselves very well, actually. I was impressed with their response. Uh, Mormon's header, there was uh, a few substitutions. It worked out for Rapid. A lovely header from Martin Mormon. Back up, 3-2. They're going to win it anyway. All is good. And then comes uh, the, the soft free kick in the 97th minute. 
and it gave Wolfsburg the chance, the, 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 the keeper, and, and the keeper came up, and, you know, pretty chaotic in that area, and uh, Thomas Sabitzer, the, the younger brother of Marcel Sabitzer, um, slotted home for VSA and, yeah, uh, sent the maybe 25 away fans in, in the UA section into ecstasy and uh, <laughs> si silenced the rest of the stadium. Just a remarkable thing to to see and to see these Wolfsburg fans is like losing their minds, like running down the away section. Just, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, but but two points run away for Rapid. Yeah, a uh, fourth draw of the season for VRC. For Rapid, it's their third draw of the season. They've only won twice, actually. Um, nine points for Rapid. They're just up into the top sixth. They stay in sixth. Not exactly where they want to be at this point of the season. But would you say you know, it was a good performance and it just didn't work out or, or are you getting more worried? Because there are a lot of good young players. Uh, there were a lot of positives maybe in the performance. Had the red card not happened, surely Rapid would have uh, gotten the job done. Um, can you take the positives or is it uh, another real blow for, for Rapid early on in this season? There are positives and there are negatives. I think the positives are it is a young team. Um, actually, like when I was looking through, because one, uh, one of my colleagues asked, like, okay, who are the main players here? And actually, the main man, uh, Guido Bergstaller, obviously well, wasn't in the team. So it was actually a very, very young team. I think average age of about 22. And, you know, to, to score three goals, like, obviously periods of play where maybe they were against, like Wolfsburg had the run of play, but Rapid did show fight and whatever. Um but yeah, then it's just like, but then it's a young team, so they do make mistakes and maybe, but then again, like, it, you know, it, it was unlucky at the same time. It's just, yeah. I think it's just with Rapid, it's like, it is, there's multiple things that are play at once. You know, it's not just one thing and it never is just one thing, but it, it was a very, very, very young team. It was, and the, and the Wolfsburg are, you know, a, a, a proper outfit in this league. And, you know, the, the fact that they are, you know, relatively high up in the table as well, it wasn't. <laughs> it's difficult to describe really, Tom. If you say relatively high up. They're in eighth. Yes, I eight, mean, it's yeah. a good point for them. Uh, that it does help them. And, and you, you've got to give them credit. Sometimes we say it's hard to play against 10 men. They managed three goals. So credit to them. Not all doom and gloom for Rapid, though. Um, however, I would say the situation's looking a lot worse at Austria-Vienna. They went away to Hartberg. And uh, the other capital club, Austria-Vienna, were beaten 2-1 by Hartberg in the celebrations for... Uh, Club president Brigitte Anel's birthday, where she was giving away free drinks. So those Hartberg fans will have enjoyed those massively. Um, I'm just worried by all the noises coming out of, of Austria Vienna right now. I'm worried because not only was it 2-1 and there was a massive goalkeeping error from Christian Frustel, who misjudged a long goal kick for the second goal. Um, Salinger booted the ball out of his hands. Frustel came out halfway into his half to try and deal with it, but it just bounced over him. And then Donis Avdiai had a tap-in to make it 2-1, ultimately for the winner. Um, so that was pretty rough. But you can overlook the odd individual mistake. There have been too many of them from Austria Vienna this season. But you can overlook one or two of those. Um, they, they're not like symptomatic of, of something larger necessarily. It's just bad luck. Um, it was funny to see Salinger of Hartberg getting the assist, though. Apparently, that's Hartberg's first ever goalkeeper assist for the Bundesliga. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the first one for a couple of years. Um Avdi obviously working out very, very well. This uh, new signing in his third spell at Hartberg with, with his brace. He's put Hartberg up in fourth place right now. But this is where Austria-Vienna should be. Hartberg have got 11 points. Austria-Vienna have got five. The worrying thing for me is perhaps that I think Hartberg didn't, it, it, they didn't even do a smash and grab here. Like Hartberg were just the better team. Um, Austria-Vienna started well. Gruber scored. He's been responsible for 
far too many of Austria's goals this season. Mind you, having said that, they've only scored five times. And Hartberg, for contrast, scored their 12th goal of the season in that game um, as the winner. So, I mean, it just it doesn't look good for, for Austria Vienna. And you had Golovitz, the president on the pitch beforehand, doing TV interviews and stuff saying, yeah, we're going to need to uh, implement a new sort of savings regime at the club. Um, the club wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for the sponsors a couple of years ago helping us out and stuff. I'm just thinking like, oh, this this is it's a return to the sort of the doom and gloom feeling that I thought it felt like we were getting away from this at the end of last season. It felt like we were moving somewhere yeah. positive. Michael Wimmer had got the team in, in a positive direction. And it's just extra galling. It's extra gutting to see Harris Tabakovic, the man they let go for nothing. Just what is he top scorer in the? German second division yeah, right now. He's got a hat trick. He's got a hat trick at the weekend. Yeah, painful, tough, painful. Man. And um, I mean, you look at also just, just the two clubs as clubs. You know, you have a small village team who are like, you know, obviously that they've had a few flirtations with relegation, but generally like a really well-run club like that's run on a, on a very small budget, maybe the smallest in, or second smallest in the league. And they're up in fourth, and then they have an owner who, like, you know, imagine how much she spent after, you know. After she gave the 300 euros to the away fans, imagine how much she spent on free beer after that win. <laughs> she was probably celebrating, thinking, "Oh, actually, no, this is not good." <laughs> That's a yeah. few grand like that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, in all seriousness, it is looking not great for Austria Vienna, and um, they couldn't afford to give free beers out. I reckon, like no. seriously, you know, Hartberg. I know they've not they're not exactly flush with cash, but it's just a sort of fun thing that's come from the president, isn't it? But literally, Austria. Can you imagine Austria Vienna spending a hundred grand on fireworks right now? Yeah, not a chance. It's, yeah, it's it, it's not looking good there, and you know, obviously, you know, with, with the two of us living, well, the three of us living in Vienna, we want the Vienna teams to be competitive in Europe, playing well, top of the league. But you know, uh, out of the two, Rapid, you know, for, for all of Rapid's faults, they are in a much much better position than Austria are right now. But saying that, yeah. when when the derby game happens, I believe in two weeks. Um, you know, uh, what are the odds that Austria Vienna get the three points? <laughs> yeah, anything goes in the derby. I mean, we need the two Austrian, uh, the two Vienna clubs. Sorry, being very competitive, we need them not just for us because we live we live in Vienna. Like Austrian football needs them to be doing well. And I look back to the start of the season where we were so confident they'd beaten Bogac Banja Luka, a, a rare um, European win for Austria Vienna. They beat Austria Lustenau now who are bottom of the league. We'll talk about them in a bit. They beat Legia Warsaw away. And then we were so full of praise after the Legia Warsaw win away. And they haven't won another game since then. That was at the beginning of August. They've they've not picked up a win at all since then. So yeah, five points. Um, one win in the season so far, just against winless Lustenau. Five goals. It's, it's not looking great. Um, yeah, what can we say? As you say, they've got Altac away next. A tough away trip against an Altac side who are looking very competitive this year and then the derby so we'll check back in after the derby because as you say everything could be looking different after that they're four points behind Rapid right now what's the betting that they'll be ahead of Rapid after the derby and then we'll be saying that uh, it's back on this season's back on for them right now the top six looks a long way off though it does it does we'll wrap up there for our Vienna section and we'll come back with the rest of the league action after a very short break Welcome to part three of the other Bundesliga podcast, the final part of the podcast, rounding up the remaining fixtures that we haven't spoken about. The first one that stands out for me is VSG Tirol against Austria Lustenau. 
uh, well, Austria lost now against VSK Tirol, to be technically correct. It was a basement battle again, two teams with no wins. So what could we expect? But a five-goal thriller, um, massive swings in fortunes, a brilliant overhead kick, and eventually a VSK Tirol away win for their first three points of the season. Man, it was a lot. There were a lot of good games this weekend. Yeah, it was a vintage, a vintage Bundesliga weekend, wasn't it? Um, but I think if you're a Lustenau fan, that is a very hard defeat to, to take against the, you know, the team that were, were bottom of the league. And then um, after you put in a first half performance like that, that I think um, I've got the quote here. So the Lustenau coach from Marcus Mader said it was completely inexplicable how how you can play a first half like that considering that we trained so well beforehand and we, and we lost because of that first half. So it's, it, I said, it's difficult to process the whole thing. So that doesn't sound like a man full of confidence. And it's kind of a shame that, you know, Lust and our last season were like, we're really a breath of fresh air. They performed really well. Um, but I get the feeling it, this is a, a massive case of uh, second season syndrome, as we say in the UK. And uh, yeah, I mean, that first half performance, Vers Gatorol looked like a title contender, <laughs> let alone, <laughs> let alone a, a team in the, in the relegation zone and um yeah the second half they, they, they came back and anthony schmidt with two goals including an <laughs> unbelievable overhead kick that which if it wasn't for for the otar kitty really goal would be you know probably the one of the goals of the season and uh but, but then again yeah they, they threw it away and they, they couldn't get back in the game and yeah luster now look really in a lot of trouble yeah, you said VSK looked like title contenders in that first half. Well, they showed all of their frailties in the second because it didn't take long for that 2-0, that lovely, comfortable 2-0 lead, cruising towards the first victory of the season. And then suddenly, a couple of minutes later, it was back at 2-2 and all the momentum seemed to be with Lustenau. Anthony Schmidt, I feel sorry for Anthony Schmidt. Um, <laughs> they've just signed his brother, haven't they, from France, the, the ex-Freiburg legend. But he, he hadn't come on, Jonathan Schmidt, at this point. But Anthony Schmidt was on. The first goal for Lustenau, it's like he gets the ball, turned around the defender, burst past him with pure pace, and then nutmegged the keeper from an angle. It was a wonderful solo goal. And then the second one, this it wasn't just like a... It was somewhere between... They've got another word in, in German for like a, a side overhead kick as opposed to a, an overhead kick. But it, this was like... It was, it was not quite either. But it was a lovely, lovely overhead kick effort. And the fact that the kick was so precise as well. It wasn't just like an overhead kick and then you, you just make some contact with the ball. It was like a pure curling volley past the defender <laughs> into the bottom corner. It's like you, you couldn't have placed it better from like a dead ball situation. It was absolutely brilliant. And then to have that, I, I just feel personally, any performance like that with those two goals deserves to be capped with at least a point. But it wasn't because uh, VSK somehow, they found another goal with Sulzbacher. And then it finished 3-2, first win of the season. VSK Tirol up to five points. Lustenau stuck on two. Surely they're going to be around and about the relegation battle, aren't they, come the end of the season? Yeah, it's kind of surprising. I would have said before the season, maybe they would be an outside shot, maybe the top six. But from what we've seen so far, I mean, yeah, the, the second season syndrome is feeling very, very hard right now in, in, the, in the Lustenau. And uh, this is a team that, of course, in a matter of a few weeks, will be um, playing elsewhere in Vorarlberg because they, they will get a new stadium constructed on the site of their current stadium and they can't play there for you know, 18 months, two years. So it's kind of like worst case scenario, really, that you're, you're going to be leaving your home stadium home field advantage. And um, so playing in Brigands whilst you know, probably in a relegation battle whilst you're spending like 20 million euros on a new stadium, it's not ideal. Not ideal for Austria Lister now right now. Yeah, that couldn't 
uh, come at a worse time in a way. Obviously, they're in the Bundesliga. The new stadium uh, renovations make a lot of sense, but that is not going to make life any easier for them. The good thing about the Bundesliga, though, is if you look at VSK Tirol, they just got battered by Blau-Weiss Linz before, and you thought, wow, VSK Tirol are going to be the worst team in the league this season. And then one week later, or one game week later at least, they've they've come and they've got a win, and now it looks a bit different for them. So Austria Listener will have the potential, or they'll have the chance to do the same. They are coming in off uh, four defeats on the bounce. However, they've got Austria Klagenfurt away next. Klagenfurt don't tend to do that well at home. Who knows? That's a, it's a good test for them because actually they've got Austria Klagenfurt who are up in the top six, then Salzburg, then Rapid, and then Blauweiss Linz. So those next three games, pretty tough. But as I say, anything can change on a week by week basis in the Austrian Bundesliga. Uh, mentioning Klagenfurt there, I say that they don't play that well at home. And I, I say that with with this fresh in mind that this weekend they lost 3-1 at home to Lask and they were 3-0 down and out of the game by half time. Yeah, it's kind of a surprising uh, scoreline really because I think Klagenfurt have been one of the best well, one of the better teams in the league this season, but you know, obviously uh, Thomas Sageda has Lask had Lask come out the blocks uh, fast and quick and Klagenfurt couldn't really cope with it and yeah, Lask picking up a a 3-1 winner and that puts them actually Obviously, due to the draw between Salzburg and, and Sturmgratz, Lask are now only uh, well five points off top and three points behind Sturmgratz. So, you know, you know Lask could potentially maybe uh, be in the title race. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think they're still in that, that third best position, aren't they? That's, that's where they're supposed to be. But yeah. they've done well. Though. It was a very satisfying weekend, I suppose, for them because their front three all scored. Uh, Robert Giroud played really well. Elias Havel, this youngster who made his starting debut, scored another goal. And he's looked so good, even if he hasn't scored. Uh, Havel has, has played really well. And I wonder if he's played his way into the team to get a start against Liverpool. But that's three wins on the bounce for Lask, who started the season with a little bit of uh, patchy form, perhaps. So they seem to be right back uh, on song ahead of the Liverpool match. So good for them. Uh, very impressive stuff against Klagenfurt, inflicting their first defeat of the season. I wouldn't be too worried if I was Klagenfurt. It was an unusually uh, off-colour performance. But I said this, when you're a team like Klagenfurt, they're still up in the in, in fifth place right now. This is going to happen. It's going to happen to Hartberg too, who are in fourth. They're going to get weekends where they just lose and lose badly. But if they can put those out of their minds and just, you know, it's like consistency over a longer period. If you look at any given month, perhaps, for those teams, if there's one terrible loss in there, it is what it is. Like It's going to happen. But if you then keep picking up points in the rest of the games, I think they'll be fine. I, I don't think yeah. it's... Uh, like, I, I think Klagenfurt, in my view, the, the, the sixth, or maybe fifth best team in the Bundesliga so far this season. So where they are is uh, makes sense. But I, I think if you're a fan of Klagenfurt, like well, one afternoon off, you know, it's fine. You're still going to be there and thereabouts when it comes to the top six. Yeah. And Lask just proved that, you know, they can be a very decent team. They do have the the qualities of a top three side. Uh, not every week, but but a lot of weeks, most weeks. So uh, satisfying one for Lask. The last game to look at uh, involves maybe two more teams who are going to be down near the bottom towards the end of the season. Potentially, it was Blauweiss-Linz 1, Altac 1. And Altac uh, stretching a seven-game run, a seven-game negative streak. Do you know what that negative streak is, Sai? No, please tell me. It is a seven-game winless run for Altac against promoted teams in the Austrian Bundesliga. There we are. That's interesting. So, yeah, they, they say that they finished that winless run. <laughs> or, no, no, they continued that winless run, I guess. Yeah, they, they couldn't beat <laughs> Blauweiss-Linz. Uh, decent goal from Blauweiss-Linz, from Pirkel. Um, another point for them. 
that's pretty satisfying. They've only won once. Altac have won twice. Altac are on eight points. Blauweiss Linz are one of the three teams on five in that uh, rather tight looking relegation battle already. But um, Blauweiss have conceded 19 times now in this. That's the, that's the most by a long way. Yeah, that's that's not great, is it? <laughs> in seven games, <laughs> no, that is not great. I mean, uh, yeah, to to concede uh, yeah that amount of goals in your first seven games is uh, they're they're going to need to really make sure that that's much less if they're gonna, not going to be at the bottom of the league. But at the moment, you know, they're they're okay. They're they're three points ahead of Lister now. So, but I think so we, we discussed it off the um, off the pod. But I think the the games between Verskade to roll Lister now. Uh, Blauweiss, Linz and Altac, that those will be the bottom four. So uh, in that, in any sort of order, I, I can't call it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Altac will have a bone to pick with you there because right now Altac are up in seventh. They're like, we're not in the bottom four. What are you on about? Austria, Vienna are going to be bottom four, not us. So, you know, they should have won the game. Maybe they, they would have fancied Tom, it's early days. Points. It's early days. <laughs> <laughs> it is early days. It is indeed early days. Uh, we'll wrap it up there for match day seven. We can't tell who the bottom four are going to be just yet, but we are starting to get a clearer picture of what's happening in the Austrian Bundesliga. Thanks, Simon, for your input today. It was uh, very nice to go to a lot of good games with you. Um, do you want to actually mention your your Liga 2, uh, your Liga 2 yes. before we before we actually wrap up? Because there was a, a bonus game. You had quite the weekend, didn't you? I did. I saw three very entertaining games. And the first one might have been the most fun because I was uh, with the first Vienna fans in the away end at St. Poulton. Uh, me and one of my colleagues decided spontaneously on Friday to oh, let's just go to St. Poulton. You know, it was a beautiful day, like 28, 29 degrees. So we went to St. Poulton and saw first Vienna win with a goal in, in, in stoppage time to beat the team top of the league. And uh, then the first Vienna fans were kind enough to invite us on the fan coach back. And they supplied us with uh, a lot of shots, a, a, a lot of cans of beer. And uh, yeah, I think we've made a lot of new friends there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so the next first Vienna game, and I believe they're at home the next Saturday. I think, um, yeah, with the other Bundesliga are now even more popular amongst the, uh, the uh, international fan base of first Vienna. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you got to experience that. Yeah, so a thriller on Friday night with a goal in off the crossbar in stoppage time. The 2-2 on Saturday and then the 3-3 on Sunday. It has been a brilliant weekend. Um, that was it for the Bundesliga. Liga 2 that you just mentioned. Graz AK, GAK top of the league at the moment after seven games. St. Pölten second. Schwarzweiß Bregenz in third. Is it going to be the case that Austria Lustenau pay for Schwarzweiß Bregenz to have a Bundesliga stadium? And then they say, thank you very much. We are going to use it next season whilst I mean, we get uh, relegated. Oh, that would be harsh, wouldn't it? If you're Schwarzweiß Bregenz, very cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cheeky indeed. Well, we won't go into uh, Liga 2. We'll wrap it up there for today. Thanks very much for joining us on the other Bundesliga podcast. Um, do listen out for our European preview podcasts. As I mentioned, we've got great interviews previewing each of the opponents for the Austrian teams in Champions League and Europa League action. Those podcasts are all released separately. If you go to our feed of podcasts, you can find all of those. One for Salzburg, one for Lask, one for Sturm. We hope you enjoy those. We will be back with the next Bundesliga action in around about a week's time. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.